the banking industry is undergoing a radical shift, one driven by new competition from fintechs, changing business models, mounting regulation, and compliance pressures. I'm your host, Swapnil Deshmukh, and you're listening to Digital Banking Trends in Asia-Pacific by Terminos. In this podcast, we will speak to industry experts and practitioners to help banks chart a clear path forward to attend digital transformation. A very warm welcome to our first podcast in this mini-series. And today we are going to talk about a topic that's very close to my heart, operationalizing digital change. Before we do that, a little bit about me. I'm the regional director for Infinity Digital Banking at Terminos. We are the world's largest banking software company, and it is our vision to be everyone's banking platform. I've worked as a banker and as technology partner for the last 15 plus years in digital banking. In fact, I joke with my friends that if ever digital banking is out of fashion, I may not have a job. There's a lot of talk about digital transformation, impact of AI, machine learning, role of hyperscalers. Today, we try to make sense of the chaos. As John Dewar once said, ideas are cheap, execution is key. So today, we will talk to the man who's executing and operationalizing digital change in one of the largest banks in Vietnam, Mr. Tu who's the deputy head of digital division at Saigon Hanoi Bank, is our guest today. It's an absolute pleasure to have you with us today, Mr. Tu. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your journey in the banking industry so far. Thank you, Swapno, and thank you for having me on the show today. Hi, everyone. My name is Tu Duong. I'm currently deputy head of digital banking at Saigon Hanoi Bank. Just a little bit about me. I've been a banker all my life, banker for about 18 years now. The last 10 years I've spent uh, in digital transformation. Uh, I started my career driving digital transformation at Commonwealth Bank of Australia, the largest bank in Australia, uh, having cut my teeth there to being a PO, to applying design thinking, scaling agile. I then had the opportunity to go to South Africa, where I helped build a digital bank in South Africa for Time Bank. Uh, back then, it was just time, and uh, we looked at building solutions to help the underbanked. And Time now continues their journey to help underbanked around the world. After South Africa, I had the opportunity to come to Vietnam. And in Vietnam, I've been driving the digital transformation at Techcom Bank for four years. And now most recently at Saigon Hanoi Bank, or SHB for short. So a banker at heart with 10 years of digital transformation experience in three banks in three different countries. So that's just a little bit about me. You've worked across continents while delivering digital transformation. That's awesome. So let me get to my first question for today, and I'll frame it in two parts. Banks have been investing heavily in digital and cloud technologies in recent years, but they seem to be reluctant to embark on core system modernization. What are some of the big transformation challenges? And the second part of my question is, what is the key to a successful digital transformation in a bank, Mr. Tu? I think both these questions have a common set of drivers uh, that if organizations get right, then they can have a good crack at uh, driving a great digital transformation. So I think the first one is around skills. Uh, having enough people with enough experience in setting the digital agenda and executing that digital agenda is very rare. So I think even in my time in Australia, when we were starting the transformation, uh, we really struggled to hire the right people from the beginning to put together the right strategy and then to help us in a very fast and flexible way, execute that. So that was a real struggle with the first year in, in Australia. 
And if I think a bit more about my time in Vietnam, so Vietnam is a country that is growing rapidly and everyone wants to digitize. But unfortunately, there's not enough people in the market uh, with enough experience around how to drive digital transformation. And so you have to rely on some external resources. So, for example, during my time at Techcom Bank, we onboarded many expats who have done it previously and now have come to try to drive that. Unfortunately, when you have a lot of expats come in, they've got the skill, but they have the challenge of being able to adapt uh, to the local culture to make sure that uh, the skills they're bringing can be accepted and then applied and then be able to show results off the back of that. So that's extremely hard. And lots of organizations in Vietnam, from what I can observe, also struggle to be able to retain talent. Because uh, right now, everyone wants to drive digital transformation. So how do you make sure that you can keep these people with these high skills that you've developed in your organization? And that's a very, very, very hard challenge. So I think for me, uh, the first part is all about finding the right people with the right skills. I think the second part that organizations don't have or don't do enough is around change management. I think as an understanding of change, not many organizations understand the value of change management. I think they, when they embark on big transformation programs, they just think, okay, that's our strategy. We're just going to go get it done. Uh, they don't really consider who will be impacted, how they'll be impacted, what will motivate them to participate in driving that change. And if that change happens, how do they go about being upskilled, trained, supported to have that change be successful? So I think a lot of big tech programs, when they are rolled out through the technology stack, whether that's core banking or an omnichannel layer, when people don't understand why they're doing it, they do it for the sake of doing it, not doing it to really solve the underlying problem. So unless you have a sort of change management, I think most organizations will continue to struggle in this space. Uh, I think thirdly, if you think about leadership, a lot of the leaders, particularly in developing countries, to operate on a top-down heavy model where the leaders uh, know what's right, the leaders tell the team what to do, and then they execute. Uh, and then when there are challenges with that execution model, the leaders may not have the confidence to continue to see that through. So for me, we need to make sure we have leaders that understand that there is a degree of flexibility that's required. And also when there is new information, when there's new data, they have the understanding and the empathy with the teams to be able to shift their plans to adapt versus saying, look, we've just started this big transformation program. It is not going well. We're going to pull the plug. So it's important that they understand and have a degree of uh, support to the teams to continue to adapt that program. I think lastly, just the methodology and way of work. In this day and age, lots of organizations need to move quickly and you can't apply a rigid old banking mindset to solving technology problems. So most organizations have to implement some type of agile methodology. I'm not going to say which ones are perfect for them, but they just need a high degree of flexibility. And if we use agile as the overall methodology, then they need to put that in place to help them execute more flexibly, adapt, empower the teams so that the, the teams can run and also to provide transparency and information faster so that when there are challenges, then this can be resolved. So I remember even in my time at Techcom Bank, I was the first one to really start talking a lot about Agile. And now after several years, lots of organizations understand the inherent benefit of thinking more flexibly and starting to adapt doesn't mean we can solve all the problems, but at least the people are empowered and know what they need to do to provide the information and then give the recommendations and then adapt. And SHB is very similar. I mean, I've been here 
now close to nine months. And in that period of time, introducing Agile as a way of work has helped us free an organization that was slow to deliver technology. Now to do it faster. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. So that, from my point of view, are four things. Yeah. The skills aren't there. They don't really think too much about change management. The leadership don't drive the right mindset to support the transformation. And then they don't have the methodology that allows them to be flexible and nimble enough. Fantastic. And thanks for summarizing it for our listeners on the four keys. I'll just build a bit on that. So what do you think is the role of software as a service, SaaS platforms, in ensuring the business stays agile, there are cost efficiencies, transparency, and at the same time, provide enhanced security and compliance. So what do you think is the role of SaaS platforms in banking? I think most financial institutions and banks particularly have to rethink the way that they approach technology and implementing technology. In the good old days, I remember when I started my career almost 20 years ago in banking, we would approach technology problems by investing in big black boxes, right? And these big black boxes that we will buy from very well-known software vendors. Then we will engage on 18, 24, 36-month programs of work to have that implemented. But this day and age, we don't have that luxury anymore. We need to execute quickly in order to show the value of what we're doing. And in order to do that, we have to integrate quite a lot of different specific software solutions to create the ideal journey that will allow us to differentiate in the market. And there is no way that we could go through deep procurement process for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different vendors in order to create the ideal customer journey that meets our customer needs. So for me, the only answer is to use software as a service. Um, so here, our teams can focus specifically on thinking deeply about the customer, creating the persona, thinking about the current journey, then building the future journey. And in doing so, look at who are the best technology providers they don't have to be big, they can be small, they can be integrated into the journey to create that, and then move very quickly to a POC. And in that POC, we can see that we can integrate all these technologies to create the experience, then very, very quickly move to put that solution to market within the next three to six months to allow us to test that concept with customers directly and see the value being generated from the, off the back of that. Now, if we find that the results aren't what we want. We can easily swap out different vendors. We can adjust the solution without incurring a lot of overheads around picking vendors, finding vendors, integrating with heavy vendors, only to find the solution doesn't work. So to be competitive uh, in the next five to 10 years, at least, I think software solution is the only way to go for banks or big financial institutions that are looking to create differentiation. You know, listening to this, it takes me back to the time when I was the head of digital banking for a regional bank. We ran a very lean call center and we had to make a decision whether to build a live chat solution ourselves or should we use a SaaS solution for chat. If we were to build it, it would have taken us four to six months to build it. Or we could use a SaaS-based live chat solution and take it to the market in, in a matter of few weeks. We opted for SaaS and immediately saw the team's productivity shoot up in fact, won several awards for introducing that service very quickly. Mr. Tu, I'm going to switch tracks here and talk about the role of cloud. What do you think is the role of cloud as the current and future enablers of transformation? I think cloud is one of the big infrastructure plays that we need to put in place to be able to remain competitive in the future and also to really create significant differentiation. You will hear me talk a lot about differentiation because it's very hard in digital to have a competitive advantage if you don't think about it from the beginning. And I think cloud is a very, very important enabler of that. When we think about scaling, 
for example, we have very big plans at SHB to increase our customer base tenfold. In order to do that, we need an infrastructure that is flexible enough to enable us to meet those volumes. Now, we can't continue to go down the path of when our volumes increase, we will go to procurement, we will then buy more physical hardware, have that put in place, and then allow us to meet those customer needs. That is too slow. In peak times, we expect our volumes, particularly in Vietnam during the TED period, you can see volumes go 10 times higher than normal. We cannot buy infrastructure to just sit there for that purpose. Uh, what we want is a solution that's a lot more flexible. So putting aside the fact that it's a lot more secure, uh, easier to use, easy to integrate, for us, it's all about can it provide us a degree of stability when we need it most so that our mm-hmm. customers don't lose confidence in the solution that we currently have. During the periods when they really need us, they can't afford to wait for it to load, wait for us to be able to pass the transaction through and confirm the transaction and this thing taking more than several seconds. So that's completely unacceptable. And so for me, uh, when I think about building the future state technology or digital platform for banks, uh, particularly SHB's case, it's about having an infrastructure using cloud that allows us to meet that volume when we need it most and automatically do that instantaneously without having to worry. And for me, that's the biggest role of cloud that can provide for us. And besides that, I think a lot of our teams are excited about putting in place new technology and cloud is one of the pieces where we say to them, look, we're going to go cloud first. They're very excited about that. And it's a little tool that we use to help also attract some of the better technology talent to come and work with us as well. That's true. And I'm sure some of the listeners on this podcast would agree with you, definitely. And that's why at Terminos, we provide Terminos Banking Cloud, which is a SaaS solution. We see great demand for it. Let's talk about AI for a moment, and I'll tell you where I'm coming from. When I lived in Vietnam, which is a beautiful country, by the way, I could never learn any Vietnamese. It's a beautiful country, but I could never learn any Vietnamese. It's a very difficult language. So I relied on Google Translate every time I stepped out for shopping or anything to do. And the Google Translate accuracy just wasn't up to the mark. It often resulted in unintentionally hilarious situations, but I digress. So my point is a lot of these AI tools rely on Google APIs. And we know that in Vietnam and some other places, it hasn't developed so much. So how do you think AI, as it is emerging stronger, will influence banking in Vietnam and in the region? For me, the role of AI is a big enabler in helping us drive hyper-personalization in banking. In future, we can no longer rely on having people talk to people all the time. That model cannot be scalable. So in order to scale a very personalized experience, you need to have a capability that allows you to look at a lot of data. Based on that data, have a deep understanding of customers. Based on that understanding, recommending solutions to customers, when the right customers at the right time, through the channel of their choice with the uh, the right offer. And, you know, and it might sound easy, but it's extremely hard to do that. And AI, for me, is the machine that sits behind to allow us to do that. So what's the alternative? The alternative right now is I have teams of people sitting there looking at data, doing very basic data analysis, because that's all the capability that they have. Based on that capability, they build very primitive models. From those models, we create campaigns. These campaigns are then manually loaded. Then they're tracked. Uh, and once they are tracked, we then look at the results, iterate. Now, these cycles will take three to six months. So for now, that might be okay. 
that in future AI will enable us to be able to seamlessly do that task without having too much human intervention. Obviously, we still need to set the direction and the principles behind that to give some degree of control and governance over this process. But my hope is that our platforms will automatically run off a base of predefined rules to allow our customers to have their needs met when, where, and how they want to. And that's, I think, the value of AI. So AI for me is about providing hyper-personalization for our customers in the future. And I completely agree on the need for hyper-personalization. Take another example here. We all enter our date of birth when we open a new bank account. And that data today, I think, is only used to send happy birthday notifications. It isn't used for anything else. It'll be great if AI or banks could use that information to see if the customer has finished school, university, gotten married, whatever it is, as you progress in your life, and then offer relevant personalized banking products. It would be even better if banks and finance uh, institutions could figure out a way to combine traditional data and alternate data, which is information from ride-hailing apps, your e-commerce applications, mobile wallets, combine all of that to hyper-personalize, right? I think if I can add to that, we see lots of banks now uh, in the business market that are using traditional data, actually traditional Mm -hmm. bank data that they have and combining that with telco data. And based on the telco data and the personal data, they're building some smarts into that, uh, some models, and then allowing automation of decisioning around which customers to serve, where, when, and how. So I think that's starting in the business market. It's more advanced in other markets. And hopefully we'll see the use of other data as well as the banks begin to open up because we don't have open banking in Vietnam yet, but in the next five years, hopefully... We can open up the data and using that data, we can then through AI drive better personalization. Very true. That brings me to the last question for the podcast, Mr. Tu. What is the one piece of advice that you would like to give to the C-level executives listening to our podcast today? So I think if I can reflect on my over 10 years experience in driving digital transformation in three different banks in three different countries, I think the thing that holds true across all of these countries and contexts is people, people, people. If we focus on the people and building the culture that allows them to thrive, then we're more than halfway there. Organizations that focus heavily on just executing at all costs, we will most likely fail because they don't have the hearts and minds of the people to support them. So before I embark on any transformation program, I focus on building a culture that allows people to be completely comfortable with who they are. They can openly and proactively share their views, concerns. They are empowered to make plans. They're empowered to execute them on their plans. They're empowered to be able to reflect and they suggest ways to prove and optimize that plan. So for me, Agile, for example, is a great tool that allows you to embody some of that culture that I'm talking about. So if I take an example of where I'm at SHB, I've been there close to nine months. And in nine months, we've been able to build a team now about 110 people. And in that period of time, and once again, from scratch, we've been able to together define the team culture, build a team culture. From that team culture, we've put in place the way of work. And for an organization that is quite traditional, we've been able to deliver digital products on existing technology stacks and platforms in two to two and a half months. 
And we've had to do that for five, four or five squads in a row. Yeah, and the other squads that start to build now also have that same mindset and thinking. And in that rhythm, you know, we provide complete transparency for them to sit and plan together, do stand-ups every day, to check in on where they're at, have SOSs to escalate that, and then together sit and review that every two weeks and what worked, what didn't work, show the results of what worked and what didn't work, agree in a couple of things we changed. And after running a couple of these cycles, you see that the people feel empowered, feel a part of the culture, and feel they can continue. So at its core, if you are not focusing on the people and giving them a great work environment, a great culture, you cannot do great work. Execution is extremely hard. Digital transformation for large organizations is very, very difficult. I read somewhere that one in three fail like right out of the gate. And so if you want to avoid failing, I think you have to start with people. And everywhere I go, that's my starting point. And at least for the organizations I've been privileged to be part of, we've proven that if you start with people, you can build great products. Yeah, you mentioned, Mr. Do, one in three fail. Probably they work with our competitors. One hundred percent. Yeah. Pearls of wisdom from the man who is walking the talk. I could not agree more. People, happy people, engaged people, empowered people, they create a compelling culture for success. Thank you so much for making the time and sharing with our listeners on your experience in operationalizing digital change, Mr. Toe. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you very much for having me and look forward to hearing from future guests. And if I have the luxury, maybe join again in future. I hope all the listeners have enjoyed today's podcast. If you are looking to drive digital transformation in your bank, please get in touch with your local Terminal Sales representative and we'll be happy to speak with you. I'll be back very soon with another guest for our next podcast. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Digital Banking Trends in Asia-Pacific Podcast by Terminos. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. We'll be back with a brand new episode very soon.